Welcome to the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. This is Rami, and we have something very special for you on this episode. Our Bonfires team was invited to podcast from the Our Common Futures Conference, which was held in Detroit at the end of October 2017. I was not personally able to attend, but two of our very experienced colleagues, Jennifer Davis Papa and Natalie Hazen, caught up with some very high-profile attendees and speakers at the conference. They came back with so many great discussions that we had to do a part one and a part two to give you the top ten. So on part one, you'll hear interviews with Dan Cardinelli, president and CEO of Independent Sector, Joyce Cade Heitchi from the organization Of Impact, Angela Barbash from the financial firm Revalue, Aaron Siebert of Kresge, and Angela Regensis of the nonprofit Playworks. Let's get started with Dan Cardinelli of Independent Sector. He begins by answering Natalie with some of the organization's history. Independent Sector was founded 38 years ago with two very simple uh, purposes. To bring the sector together, sector spanning, so we have grant-seeking organizations, nonprofits, and grant-making organizations like philanthropy and uh, corporate foundations. And the goal of this gathering is for the community to come together in a non-transactional way. Not to cut deals, but to collectively take stock in what's going well and what's not. And how we as a sector can come together, catalyze activity, and be part of accelerating social change. So that's what independent sector does. And then we learn from that conversation and we translate that into our public policy work, primarily in Washington. But increasingly, we partner with uh, state uh, organizations to make sure we're aligned with the, the policies that are going to really strengthen the sector. So every year we gather, or historically every year, we've gathered the sector together in this vital meeting ground, this conference. Um, but we realize collaboration is the way of the future. So early on, as we were designing for this, we said, look, who are the strongest sector-spanning organizations we can partner with? So the Council of Michigan Foundations is one of the strongest uh, state-level regional associations working in philanthropy, and the Michigan Nonprofit Association is a similar. It's one of the strongest nonprofit associations. So it, was, it made perfect sense to say, hey, let's put our heads together and let's design together. And that's what we did, and it's been a phenomenal experience. That's fantastic. I, I like how you're getting everybody uh, together in the play bo- in the sandbox to play well together, <laughs> in essence. <laughs> right. Well, the goal, I think, is um, playing well together, I think, also means struggling to, to do what we hope happens here, which is to push each other. Each of us have a different purview. We uh, look across the whole sector nationally, and the Council of Michigan Foundations has their lens working with philanthropy here in Michigan, although they also are a national player. They've uh, really had a great purview. And similarly, the Michigan Nonprofit Association has their purview really on what's going on here in Michigan and understanding the national context. We all have strong opinions. We're all leaders in our own right. And so the work we did in terms of really finding the common ground among ourselves, I think then got reflected in the conference. And we've been really pleased with the kind of seamlessness with which our teams have worked together and the design of content. So the meaning that's coming out of this, the learning is actually synthetic for the whole sector. It's not any one of those federally or locally or just philanthropy kind of getting the the lion's share of the learning. The nice part is interesting. I think it's more the respectful part Mm. when you really listen to the other and realize they're coming at this one from a place of deep goodwill 
and a deep level of experience. And so you're forced to listen uh, pretty thoroughly. And then um, each of us, and I have to say our partners were phenomenal in allowing themselves to be stretched and stretching us. And what we found is we learned a fair amount here. I was just talking with our team that um, independent sector is in, in this mode right now of being a startup in a legacy organization. And we, after doing a lot of thinking at the national level, a lot of listening and looking out to the way the world was changing, realized that our responsibility was to kind of call the question for the sector, that we need to change mm -hmm. and we need to evolve, and actually pretty quickly. Our work here in Michigan grounded us in the very practical realities of where the sector is at, mm. and we figured out together the pace with which that change needed to take place. It has been an invaluable contribution to now how, as we go to LA next mm. year, and we've rebranded kind of the work, it will now be this uh, wonderful gathering for the social sector called Upswell, and you can go to the website, upswell.org. Um, and it is not the independent sector conference anymore. It is the sector's conference. Much like South by Southwest is for the tech industry, Upswell is going to be the gathering for the sector. We learned that in a really important way here in Michigan, and it was through that collaboration that helped us really say, how do we develop a place where those who are in transition can find themselves comfortable and be stretched. Those who are on the front edge of innovation will also be excited and can push further. And those who are skeptical can put a toe in the water and find like-minded folks kind of asking questions and exploring. Wow, that's fantastic. You're, you're grabbing everybody from no matter where they are in the spectrum, really. That's the goal, right? That this is, the sector is huge, and people often forget that, right? That there are 11 million workers, and then if you put in the number of volunteers in America, one in four Americans, one in four Americans are involved in civil society. And yet we don't have a sense of a collective identity. So part of Upswell's aspiration is, we know that, that social change is happening all over America and citizens and uh, really just Americans, people who are here in this country who are just deeply passionate about being part of community are doing great work all the time. And so we want to capture that energy and share it out. So the notion of Upswell is that we're deeply locally engaged, but nationally relevant. Mm -hmm. So anybody can find their place in that conversation. Wow, that's fantastic. I, I like that. But now next year we're in L.A., huh? We're going to be in L.A. <laughs> next year. And we learned a lot here in Michigan. We, um, we sent a team here back in January to live here in mm. Detroit for a month and to go through a human-centered design program from a local organization here that was trained by Stanford and to fan out into the community. And that fundamentally changed how we thought about the conference. And so we're doing uh, that on steroids mm -hmm. in in uh, LA, we've already identified a group of community-based leaders who are actually here in Detroit, who are learning about what's going well and what isn't, and they will become a, a community of change makers over the course of the year helping us plan. So place-based leaders yeah. already learning from what kind of national discourse looks like, and then turning to their home community and saying, wow, we have a lot to learn and we have a lot to teach, and let's make that happen next year. Well, I love the gathering of the information but yet not just sitting on it you're actually moving it forward and taking some action on it that to me is incredible 
That's great. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. So um, we believe one of our roles is this notion of uh, recalibrating the tension of how the sector learns. So historically, over the last 20 years, a lot of the sector uh, leaders, the big institution, elite coastal institutions, got to kind of say what were the important issues and set the agenda. We think actually communities in dialogue with those elite institutions will create a much clearer and acute understanding of what actually the core issues are that we then collectively need to, uh, to, to catalyze activity and drive change. Right, all right. There's always a making an impact everywhere that you can go, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. How do you feel that the conference is going so far? And what has been a highlight or an inspiration to you? So, uh, personally, I am kind of over the moon. We were quite nervous going into this last year at our conference. We had about 800 folks uh, come. This year, I think we've come close to to breaking numbers for our conference. We're well over 1,400. And so it's an example of why collaboration is so important. The Council of Michigan Foundations and Michigan Nonprofit Association not only brought their folks, but their folks had a place here and contributed. And the traditional folks that we brought were in dialogue with them in a much richer way. And so I'm very proud and very, very excited that that meaning-making has already begun to take place here. we, 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 We learned a great deal about that. Um, so uh, the collaboration and the quality of the content, mm-hmm. uh, I was coming back from a dinner last night out in the community with about uh, 30 people. We were at a local nonprofit um, talking about what is it going to take for our country to become stronger. And we had a diverse group of people. And on the bus ride back, uh, uh, a colleague of mine that I've known for many years said, you know, I've come to this conference a lot. Uh, most of the time it's been, you know, I knew most of what, what I was going to and I'd get an occasionally good idea. She said, I have been challenged and stretched in this conference. So I'm deeply proud that that was a collective effort among the sector itself, stretching itself to grow and learn. And it feels to me like that is, uh, if, if anything independent sector can do, we, we believe in catalyzing leaders into transformative work. And um, it felt to me like in that moment, she was saying, I feel like I go back now ready to kind of take on harder stuff. Right. It, it, it sounds like it was just a great moment where she was refreshed and renewed in, in all that she has, is learning and ready to, as you said, you know, make it into action, push it forward. I think that's right. So I love the notion of uh, renewal. John Gardner, who founded Independent Sector, said we have to constantly be in renewal as individuals and as institutions. So absolutely, I think the conference is the gathering of the tribe, the celebration, the eating and breaking bread together and, and hanging out and laughing. I think the other component of what she said is that I had the assumptions about how I think about creating change stretched and challenged. And now I don't feel like I am destabilized, but I do feel like I have to go back now and re-examine and bring in what I've learned in the context and really see if I can push my work forward. To me, this notion of a safe, nurturing place to grow is really uh, a tender achievement. And again, that came through collective effort. We couldn't have done it on our own. I think that's fantastic. It's, it's, you're creating the space for everyone to just really be thought partners. That's right. That's right. It's exciting. 
I like that a lot. So in terms of your views for the future of impact investing, how do you see impact investing really tying into your mission? And where do you see impact investing in the local markets really heading? It's a great question. So I think impact investing is, um, what I'm excited about impact investing is that there was a period when it was treated as kind of the be all and the end all. It was going to solve this issue of scale and it was going to be market driven solutions to drive effective practice out there. And I actually still believe that that's what it can hold. I think there is now a sober and clear-eyed understanding of the uh, strategies, the really, and I think the work you all are doing is a good example of really the embeddedness that it requires in community, um, the marrying of those with capital looking to use market-driven solutions to drive change, and the kind of, uh, it, prior to hopping on the, hot, the podcast, you used the, the notion of training Olympic athletes. And I think that has been a missing piece, that there is this incredible commitment to these change makers who are so poised and so capable. And our assumption is that that passion is sufficient to drive them forward. And yet we know there are really technical supports that will unleash their capability and channel that good sentiment, those values into market-driven solutions. So I'm, I'm very bullish. I, I want to call out um, something about impact investing that I think is going to be a limiting factor unless we partner with a set of institutions that can help, whether it's on the kind of B Corp or the pure social enterprise or the nonprofit social enterprise. This notion of um, the tools required for ongoing quality improvement for outcomes, not for profit, but for outcomes. Creating meaningful social change is actually very, very difficult. And there is an emerging body of work, uh, I have to call it an example, Project Evident, which is a, a startup, is developing a set of strategies for cost-effective tools to help startups or uh, second stage kind of organizations begin to put together what's called a strategic evaluation plan. And part of that is understanding how to get the right sets of incomes, but, but the key to the strategic uh, evaluation plan is understanding the marketplace for results. Mm. So that a social enterprise is aiming in a market-driven uh, way so that its results, when it produces good outcomes for kids and families or whatever it's trying to do, there is actually pickup and payoff at the end. And I think sometimes there is a misalignment mm. between what in fact will, one, first of all, how do you drive effective outcomes for difficult, intractable problems? And then two, who or how are those going to be picked up and scaled? Right. No, I think you hit on several amazing points. And the marketplace, what we're seeing and noticing is that that marketplace, when you're creating your business, is sometimes not really thought of. It's, it's, yes, you want to go do a, a great thing, have some wonderful impact, but if that marketplace isn't there for your product to help generate your business, you have to go in and create that marketplace, then that is something that we're noticing uh, has been missed, as you to your point, that you really have to think about that marketplace. and Like, is it already there? Is it waiting for me? Or is it something that I have to go and pioneer on my own? Yeah. It's an extraordinarily important yeah. point. And something we're committed to at Independent Sector is working with, uh, we're working right now with the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative to 
to look at what we can do as an organization to create a much more rational marketplace marketplace for results so that social enterprises don't have to have the dual um, challenge of both innovating breakthrough strategies to create social good and market um, the field building or the market making that then scales that work. It's, it's too much at, at one at one time. We think by virtue of our sector spanning role and the public policy capabilities, and we have a partnership with an organization, Results for America, which is looking at the public policies that could be put in place that will incentivize government to really re reward institutions, organizations, for-profit and non-profit that are delivering really material value to society. Excellent. Wow. Well, now, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, I got you up early. <laughs> you were ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. A lot of coffee this morning. <laughs> super excited to be here. Well, thank you. So how do our listeners touch base with you in independent sector? Sure. So uh, first of all, we, we, we would love for folks to uh, engage with us. Uh, your, learn, your listeners are learning and seeing things that often we are not. So I'd really invite them to engage with us. Um, and there are a couple ways they can do that. One, our website, which is Independent Sector. And I still misspell independent, so <laughs> don't feel bad, but it is one word, independentsector.org. And then um, on our website, there are lots of ways to engage. We publish blogs. We invite folks, if they're interested in blogging, let us know. We'd love to hear their thoughts. And then if you go to upswell.org, you can sign up. And we're going to use that platform as a way to engage with folks. And because Upswell is really about kind of the whole shoot and match, we would just invite folks, please sign up, and we will begin to, like, reach out. And uh, we want their thoughts. There may be opportunities for them to curate ideas and present on a national stage. Well, there you have it. And to all of our listeners out in L.A., all right, balls in your court. Jump on board, right? Yeah, we look forward to seeing you next year, November 14th through the 16th. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Thank I you. so appreciate it. Really great. Thanks, Natalie and Dan. What a great way to kick off the conference and plant seeds for next year in L.A. By the time we're done listening to these great guests, we'll probably be booking some tickets. <laughs> All right, next up, Jennifer catches up with Joyce Cade Haichi with the organization of Impact. Jennifer had some specific questions for Joyce on the conference. Jade, I'd love to get your ideas and thoughts about the conference so far, and also a little bit then about how that ties into what you do every day. Well, basically, I love this. Um, we've been coming the last couple of years when the, um, the Michigan Nonprofit Association um, converges with the Council of Michigan Foundations. Actually, funny story, can I tell you? Absolutely. Okay, a couple of years ago, we attended, and um, I'm a talker, so I love this, um, the tie that this gentleman was wearing, right? And um, it ended up to be the president of the Council of Michigan Foundations, right? So he remembered our little encounter, you know, and um, years later, when we went to another event in April, and he told me, you're coming to the, you know, the phone before it was even on the, you know, the, um, what do you call it, his um, website, mm -hmm. their website. And I was like, of course, like, you know, I can't wait to come and enjoy this, you know, because um, it's really a good, um, yesterday we went to the Michigan Nonprofit Association luncheon, lots of good information. We're sitting right across from, again, you know, some more foundations that were telling us what they needed and expected from us. And I'm, you know, of course, I'm taking notes. Have my board directors, you know, one flew out from D.C. Nice. Yeah, and um, so what we're doing is making sure that what we're doing, you know, is exactly what they need from us. Right. So I like that, that, you know, you're telling us what you need from us and we're giving it. And 
you know, we haven't had any problems so far, you know, with That's the, you great. know. Because how often do you get to have such one-on-one -on -one conversations where it's, this is exactly what we're looking for, and then you can go ahead and deliver on that. Right, right. right. So mm -hmm. what has been the biggest highlight for you so far at so the conference? Um, just the, net, the networking has been just awesome. I've been meeting, so, like we met this wonderful lady, she's um, from Africa, okay. and she has a um, green, I think it's Seneco, Seneco is the company. And just, you know, the ideas that people have, you know, and just, you know, being able to, you know, to collaborate, you know. So we've already had a couple of organizations that are interested in collaborating with us from here, just from yesterday. That is wonderful, Joy. So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you one more thing. So understanding you're building out your network and you're collaborating, what is the top thing that you're going to walk away from this conference with and put into practice right away? Well, let me see. You know, I've got to get my, I, I took get my little notes. Get your yeah. notes. That's great. The one thing, uh, the main thing. Thing is to make sure that uh, let's see that the, uh, uh, sustainable spending policy is you know is good so you know is down pat and really the focus on that okay so tell um, me a little bit more about how would you define what a sustainable spending well basically you know and this is understandable. All foundations look for you to self-sustain yourself, right? So what we're doing right now, and we're, and we're doing this, is that we're trying to build off of our art therapy program. We're, you know, and from that, we're trademarking, patenting, and we're even working on a little app, you know, you know, with pertaining to that. Okay. Um, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're able to sustain ourselves for at least six months. So say, you know our foundation, you know, um, or the um, giving that's been doing dries up. We want to make sure that we can hold ourselves, you know, and that's what we're doing, and that's why we're getting all kinds of different ways that we can, you know, fend for ourselves, and then asking, you know, hey, we're doing this on our own, but we need a little bit of, more, you know, extra help. I love it. So creating a revenue stream makes mm -hmm. some money. So if in the event that the grant or some other funding stops, you can do it on your own. Very good. Let's stay with Jennifer as she interviews financial advisor Angela Barbash of Revalue. Thank you, Angela, for taking time to spend with us today on the podcast. What I'd like to do is start off our time together with having you tell our listeners about you, your firm, what you do, and your mission. Great. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation to speak on your podcast. My name, again, is Angela Barbash. I am the co-founder of Revalue. We're a registered investment advisory firm out in Ypsilanti, which is Ann Arbor's little scrappy sister city. <laughs> uh, we, we love Ypsilanti. <laughs> we got a lot of heart in Ipsy. Uh, so we're out in Ypsilanti. I've been an investment advisor for 14 years, and uh, six years ago it became pretty clear to me that the industry was changing. People wanted to invest locally. They wanted to invest alongside their values and have an impact in the world around them and there were not a whole lot of options available for investors to figure out how to do that particularly on the community impact investing side of the work so that resulted in me finding some partners and in 2013 launching revalue so we're in our just celebrated our fourth year in Yay! business and uh, and we are one of uh, three firms in the country that really deeply go uh, dig deep with investors both accredited or non-accredited um, that's that million dollar line in the sand. <laughs> um, we're, we're one of only three firms in the country that will do that kind of work at such a deep level, especially with non-accredited investors. 
Angela, that's awesome, especially being able to bridge that gap. And here, even at the conference, learning that there's so many other people interested to get invited to this party. How do I get involved? What are the next steps I take? So my next question then is going to be around that and tying it into the conference a little bit. So from what you're seeing and learning and hearing at the conference, how are you going to be able to bring that back to both sides of the equation, your accredited and your non-accredited investors, to get them to take action? Well, I think what's most exciting to me, has been most exciting over the last year, is seeing the the uh, gap between the individual investors and the marketplace who are interested in investing in lo- for local impact and the institutional investors in the marketplace who are those community foundations, large corporate foundations or family foundations or even university endowment funds or take it a step further even municipal pension funds which they're not quite yet at the table but at least the foundations are and we see that here at the conference and, and there's been a bit of a gap between those two types of investors those individuals, the main street people in the community and the foundations where uh, they have um, kind of in their own silos have been building up this competency for investing locally and now I'm starting to see that gap between the two narrow and that's what I'm most excited about is is helping the foundation see that individuals in the community are excited about this and helping the individuals see that the institutions are excited about this and and in my vision of the world in the next two to three years I think we'll see more and more opportunities in Michigan where institutions are investing and and individual investors are co-investing right alongside them. And that unlocks a whole bevy of capital opportunities for those brilliant entrepreneurs who are doing such a great job of changing our world for us. Absolutely. You're you're speaking my language. You're singing my song here, Angela, listening to to what you say. So I want to hop on the other side of the equation then outside the investors. So let's talk about the entrepreneurs and the social entrepreneurs because they've actually been a big focus here of the conference today and there's been a lot. So if I'm a social entrepreneur or an entrepreneur in general and because I do, you do what you do, how is the best way to interact with an advisor such as yourself? That's a really great great question. We actually receive a lot of inquiries. You know, now that the world around us knows that we represent investors, we get a lot of people knocking on our door. And the uh, a lot of people by, I mean, entrepreneurs knocking on our door. (laughs) But other people knock on our door too, but (laughs) entrepreneurs. So, and and, and social entrepreneurs are are really a natural fit for impact investors. They're already coming to the table with a triple or double bottom line of people, place, and profits or some mix of that, uh, not just a bottom line. And, And so we always recommend to people when they do knock on our door to send us an executive summary. And if they don't have an executive summary, that's like a quick one, two, three page. We will send them a template for an, an executive summary, so, and, then, and it gives them all the fields of what we need them to communicate to us. And, and with that, we can do a cursory review and see if this is something that we could even uh, get through due diligence. Is this something that's going to meet kind of our basic standards? Is this something that our clients, our, our particular investors, are passionate about? Because you may have a brilliant idea or business, but if our investors, if that's 
not their passion point, then it's just not going to work. And with that executive summary, we can then you know finish that review and get back to them and let them know if uh, if there's some interest to take it further. Um, and sometimes we may not be the right shop for them, but we know a hell of a lot of people, so we'll send them. We we call this triaging. We will triage them to some other organization if we see that they are a better fit for someone else, some other source of funding. I love that because I, I'm gonna. This is gonna take me back old school. I remember back in the day when I first started in finance, and people would say, "Well, Jennifer, you need to realize you're a shipbuilder." I'm a shipbuilder. They're like, "Yes, relationships." I know how corny <laughs> that sounds, but having you talk about being that that one and you can bridge it out, it made me think about that. It just popped into my head. Um, <laughs> so, one, I want to ask one more question. If I'm an entrepreneur, right? So, what do you see if they're filling out that one pager that is the most effective, that makes them more or the most attractive, or kind of puts them ahead of their competition, if you will, if an, an investor is maybe looking for them? Oh, that's a brilliant question. I really love that question. Thanks so much. So, you know, at the end of the day, you are asking people to invest in your vision as an entrepreneur in what you see as a possibility for the future. And for us, and and really for me specifically, I'm looking for traction. I'm looking for, and what what I mean by traction is that you, you have evidence, there's evidence that you can find people who want what you are providing. And that could be as simple as a pre-sales crowdfunding campaign where you got, you know, 50 people to pre-buy the product or service that you're offering. It could be you did pop-ups at the farmers market. It doesn't have to be, you know, you you had a hundred grand in sales and now you're gonna go get capital, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they've got to make these monumental achievements in sales before they can go get money. And I'm not we're not saying that. We're just saying, you know, you got to show that someone wants what you're offering at the price point you're offering it with the quality and standards you're providing it. That is critical because we can't we can't take a risk especially with other people's money. We especially can't take an other people's money risk on uh, on a wing and a prayer or just a vision or an idea. It may it may be the most brilliant idea in the world, but we can't do that. Yeah. I, I like it. So, so what I'm hearing is you got to have a clearly defined why. That you have to sell your why. So when people, this is what I'm taking away, and so you can tell me if I'm right. That by the before you even get to your market opportunity, they're already how do I get involved? And then when you show them that you've looked at your market beyond what you can get from the state that says you have 8,000 customers, all that stuff, but that you've taken it and you've executed in your market. Mm-hmm. Two really key features for entrepreneurs that are looking to go for investment. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. Great. I love that. That's that's It's it's one of the key basis that I just see over and over again. Like You need the passion, but you need the business skill. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to show. So my last question before I let you off the hook today, there's been a lot of sessions, a lot of great people, a lot of new information. What do you feel that from this conference you want to take away back to your practice and your clients and tell them about right away? I think what has been most exciting to me in my experiences at this conference so far has been seeing the almost fervor 
if I may use that word, Absolutely. in the in the foundation world, their excitement for doing impact investing. And you know, I, a lot of our mutual friends in this space uh, have we've all been digging at this for years. And five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to find a session with a, you know with a hundred foundations in it <laughs> talking about impact investing. It was just not what you found. And today, it's it's not just one session. It was two sessions, and maybe I missed another one. You know. But it, it's multiple conversations around impact investing. So that's what I'm taking away from this, that there is real traction in the foundation world uh, for impact investing. And then most of all, relationships is why I am so excited to be here and to be a part of this conversation, is to be able to meet the people on the build other side. Yeah, build the ship, right? <laughs> I, and, you know, we often, use, we often use the analogy that we're, um, you know, in, in entrepreneurship, you know, because we're entrepreneurs too. Absolutely. We're social entrepreneurs day, too, right? Yes. So, um, it, you know, we use this analogy that we're often building the plane while we fly it mm-hmm. or flying the plane while we build it, you know, and, and it's the same thing that like you, you have to just dive in and you have to build. You're building your, your skill set, you're building your, your client base and you're building those relationships. And for me, if I can direct an entrepreneur to an organization who is going to look at them because of, you know, what they do and where they do it, but we don't have clients who care about that particular space or that particular place, then I've done my job in the world. So that's what I'm most excited about walking away with is is some new relationships. Thanks, Angela and Jennifer. It's always great to grab the perspective of a financial advisor who's working with clients interested in investing locally. We're going to stay with Jennifer for one more interview with Aaron Siebert of Kresge the impact investing lead for that great foundation. I'm sitting here with the wonderful Aaron Siebert from the Kresge Foundation. He agreed to spend a couple of times with us and share his amazing wisdom on what he does as part of the Kresge organization as their social investment officer. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Great. What I'd like to do is have you to explain to our listeners, because you're one of the very first foundation representatives that we've had that really focuses on social impact. So if you could explain to them in the quick and dirty exactly what your role is and what you do. Sure. So a few years ago, the foundation created the social investment practice, which mandate is to provide program-related investing in support of our charitable purpose and our program goals. So we have $350 million of capital set aside through 2020 to uh, program against uh, initiatives, funds, investments of all kinds that that are a, a dramatic lift to our programmatic goals. And the question is, using different tools other than grant making as the foundation has typically done, can we accelerate or expand the impact of our program teams? And you know, we believe the answer is yes, but we're uh, in the process. That is so exciting and great to hear because coming from working with social entrepreneurs and individual investors, to hear that the foundations are fired up to get involved in this, to be able to aid the community and really have impact in that community and have that be uh, accountable and traceable is super exciting. One of the things that I just heard you talk about is how you work with a firm called Enterprise. Can you kind of explain what that is, how you work with them, and how that helps you as the foundation make decisions? 
Sure, so Enterprise Community Partners and their sister organization, Enterprise Community Loan Fund, are one of the largest national community development institutions um, in the country. They're deeply invested in affordable housing, but they also do a lot of environmental work, placemaking, a lot of real estate-centric enterprises around community development. And so Enterprise, as an intermediary, is a great partner to us because they deeply understand our space and a lot of the programmatic goals that we have, but they're also built like a, like a mini bank, and they have the expertise in the... In the um, you know, the, the shop effectively, they've got lenders and environmental people and architects and folks who can look at projects in a way that require a lot of time and effort where foundations are just typically not built to take on that kind of infrastructure and overhead. So we work through intermediaries that have that kind of expertise to leverage our assets with the assets of other people, federal funding, private sector, to, to do greater impact in places like Detroit. And that's the partnership that we struck here with Enterprise. We provided them with a PRI um, in partnership with Jefferson East and Josh Elling to expand their work in that district and enterprise can be the lender of our capital along with some of their own and expand the impact. Oh, that's great. I really appreciate you ex explaining that because that makes so much, what a great partner to have and find and, and to be able to, to leverage. So last question before you go, because I know that you got to hit the road, is understanding everything that's going on in this conference. You know, what has been the biggest highlight for you that you're going to be taking away and taking it back to the rest of your team to tell about? I mean, I think that one of the things that I've heard at the conference that I find exciting is that people are thinking about the way that they work in a different way. So, so in our space, we, we talk a lot about using the right tool for the right situation. And so many of our you know, core grantee partners here at the conference and otherwise are thinking about the way that they can expand their work using program-related investment, using mission-related investment, trying to leverage the, um, the public sector and the private sector to blend their capital, to build their balance sheets in different ways that allow them to not only be more sustainable, to be more impactful over time. And so I think that sort of awareness and you know being in the impact investing space, I get excited about when I hear people thinking about their work in a different way and, and, and trying to think outside of what grant capital alone can do for them. Impact investing is changing the way people are thinking and doing things and to hear that coming from you and as a representative of the Kresge Foundation that is just very exciting. So thank you so much for your time today. Safe travels and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks Jennifer and Aaron. It's great to hear what everyone's doing out there with all of their programs. As you can hear these programs are very well thought through and intentional. So next up we hear back from Natalie and her attendee guest, Angela Rogancis of the nonprofit Playworks. So Playworks is the leading national nonprofit leveraging the power of play to bring out the best in every kid. We use play and games at recess to help improve the social and emotional learning of kids. We've set this really audacious goal. Um, by December uh, 31st, 2020, we'll reach 3.5 million children across the U.S. In Michigan, we're owning about 60,000 of that, uh, and so we want to reach 60,000 children by December 31st, 2020 in Michigan, and there's about 1.1 million just in southeastern Michigan alone. Uh, we partner with elementary schools and youth-serving organizations to help ensure um, that there's a caring, consistent adult on the playground and that kids have the opportunity to play safely at school every day. Wow, that is fantastic. I, I one, love being outside and playing, so <laughs> I love what you're doing here. And I think it's always good, and I'm sure you can attest to this, that when you're on a playground, there's a lot of opportunity for things to be soloed out. So when you engage other kids together, that helps just bring everybody up. Yeah, so that's part of our work is to help kids develop the skills they need, uh, like self-regulation, teamwork, 
shared um, celebration of experiences, how to negotiate, how to collaborate. Um, we use Recess, which is kind of this natural learning lab, uh, as an opportunity to build up those skills that help develop character and make kids um, good citizens when they grow up. Oh, all good things. All good things that, who knew? Everything you learned was in school, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the playground at recess. <laughs> I love that. Uh, now, I heard that you were partnering with, uh, what is it, Play 60? Yeah, so locally here, um, we're the Play 60 partner of the Detroit Lions. Uh, and so we're their community partner, and so we help them uh, extend their Play 60 reach by um, supporting us uh, in our schools. We're in 38 schools here locally um, in, in Michigan, um, and so we're, we're ensuring that those schools have safe and healthy play every day uh, at school. That's fantastic. So what are you enjoying about this conference so far? What, is, what has been your favorite highlight so far, I guess? Uh, well, I always love seeing our founder um, speak, and she spoke on stage yesterday and played a game. That was really amazing. Uh, it's really awesome to be around like-minded people and folks who are trying to change the world uh, in, in really positive ways, and that's super inspiring and kind of fills your tank, uh, if you will, um, to keep you know moving forward and trying to move the needle on some of the, the equity things that we see or inequity um, in public education and uh, really trying to change the way that uh, schools are built and, and how they incorporate play and so being around other people who are uh, maybe approaching other systems uh, and and working with each other and being around each other is always really uh, inspiring. So we have national supporters. Um, we're Playworks Michigan is a part of a much larger organization that has um, regional offices in 23 states across the country or 23 regions, 19 states. So we have national investors who support our work. Um, and then we also have local investors. Locally, um, the Detroit Lions have been one of our largest, um, both financial supporters, but also just one of our longest standing partners. Uh, we have uh, received some phenomenal support from the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation, uh, 1.14 million um, over the course of two years to expand both in Michigan, but also in uh, Western New York. Uh, the Skillman Foundation has been a steadfast partner, uh, as well as Aetna and some of the private sector um, health alliance plan and a variety of other corporate corporate partners uh, that's fantastic that's that's good it, grabbing the village right yeah absolutely <laughs> and we require everyone we need everyone on board play can change the world and if, if we can make everyone see that and, re and remember what it's like play can unite people in ways that other things can't and so we're trying to, to spread that message what is the website that they can they can reach you on yeah so playworks.org uh, and uh, or recesslab.org has a lot more resources for uh, folks to uh, to learn more about our play movement. It was interesting to hear from a nonprofit attendee in the middle of this big conference. The Michigan Nonprofit Association was one of the big partners here. I love all the different perspectives and guests. So this wraps up part one. But don't wait. Jump over to finish with the five more change leaders in part two. So signing off for now, and I'll talk to you in part two.